What is up, people? And thank you so much for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. This is going to be a really fun show for you guys today. Um, the NBA, despite uh, the rising number of coronavirus cases, not just um, outside, you know, here in the U.S., but also within the league, the NBA is still moving forward with its restart plan and uh, schedules came out last week. You know, teams are beginning their preparations for uh, departure to Orlando. Some teams have had to already close down facilities with some COVID tests before they move to Orlando for the bubble. So we'll uh, give you guys a little bit of an update on how that stands. We'll also be talking about um, potentially a second bubble that may also be in the in, in the works that uh, we did not expect to happen. Um, the the Union President Michelle Roberts has said that there was no chance we'd probably have a second bubble with teams that did not qualify for this um, 22-game restart. But now that that's looking uh, not like not the case. Like there's a very good chance that we may actually end up seeing those teams later this year. So we'll talk about that as well. Um, and then, boy, we had a major uh, NFL signing that kind of came out of nowhere. Cam Newton finally has a team. Is a team that was rumored with him for a while, but it seemed like there was no movement there. And then all of a sudden, Sunday struck, and he was now a member of the New England Patriots. So we'll give you guys our thoughts on that. Kendall, obviously, is my co-host for today, so we should have a good show for you guys. Um, Kendall, the one thing I do want to mention, is, you know, staying on the NFL real quick. Today, we're just recording this show on, uh, what is it, Thursday, July 2nd. The man, the Redskins are getting some pressure in regards to changing the name of the team. You got FedEx, who is you know their name is on the building. They, Fred Smith is a FedEx is a part of the Redskins ownership group. Yeah, he's saying they got to change the name. And not only now you have FedEx who invests hundreds of millions of dollars into the Washington Redskins organization, but Nike has removed. All Washington um, memorabilia and and uh, apparel on its website. So this is probably the most pressure Snyder has faced to change the name. Do you think he will change it? Yeah, I mean, look, he, you know, back in 2013 when he did an article, I believe, with the Washington Post or Bleacher Report, I forget. Uh, I believe it was Washington Post, but uh, when he did that article, that Q&A, when he said he will never, ever change the name, you could put it in all caps, never changing the name, it seems, that seemed like a pretty strong stance, and it seems like, wow, I don't know if this man will ever change it, considering he doesn't, they can't force him to. Um, but that was in 2013, I feel like seven years, all seven years doesn't seem like a long time, uh, honestly, two months feels like a long time at this point um two months feels like seven years at this point yeah exactly and we were a much different country two two three months ago than we are now and i just don't know if in 2020 at this point you can continue uh that kind of name if if there's a large enough outcry and we've seen it and we and anybody that was really paying attention kind of knew this was going to come at some point it's just the way the the waters have been moving, the way the waters have been flowing. Somebody was going to get to Dan Snyder, um, and the and the Washington, um, situation. So it's not surprising that this is happening. Um, 
I thought, look, can the NFL, can the NFL, the question is, well, can the, first of all, can the NFL strong arm him, force him to change the name or force him to sell the team? Um, If they could, would they do that? I have my doubts, but would they do that if if they had that power and if it ever came to that? Um, Or it, like you said, is it just something where he's going to have to get hit in the wallet enough to where they're going to have to make a change? Because as we've seen with, uh, typically it happens with television networks, when advertisers and pull out and the money flow is not the same as it normally is, especially during a crisis like this, you may have companies that can get out of contracts. We saw what happened with Under Armour uh, with UCLA and Cal, where they're just like, yeah, we can get out of this contract because uh, COVID doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but that's the that's part of the that's going to be part of the the force majeure that they're going to use. Uh, these companies can 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 probably uh, get out of this contract, citing some sort of you know lack of civil rights or lack of you know just <laughs> decency. Um, and if that's the case then it's going to really put a lot of pressure on Dan Snyder. So long answer, uh, so long answer, but I would say there's a possibility. I wouldn't have said this five years ago, but sitting here today, um, I wouldn't be shocked. I'd be, it would be fascinating, I don't, but I wouldn't be shocked if next season, not this upcoming season, but the season after, 2021, we have a new name in Washington. Wow, and that's crazy to me because I know I know initially you initially said that, you know, the winds were kind of moving this way, but I'll be honest, I don't think they were. I thought that Snyder face he he was getting pressed probably you said 2013, 2014, 2015 like during that time. Um we had uh you know some high profile, you know, black killings. Trayvon Martin, twenty, I believe it was twenty thirteen. You had Eric Garner, you had Michael Brown. You know, you started seeing more and more. And, and you know, during these times, we tend to kind of look at our society. Okay, what are things that we look at outside of just the landscape of, you know, maybe you know, police shooting black men or just people shooting black men. Um, you know, what other things we look at can we, we already fix? And and you know, the Redskins name comes up a lot. And I thought that was the time where I thought he faced the most pressure. And I think that they're just, it's kind of reminds me of the Drew Brees thing where it was just like, he was kind of able to like do what he always does. Like he got a couple of native Americans to say that this name isn't a big deal. Yep. And he kind of just stiff on anybody who came close to even putting any kind of pressure on him. And the, uh, the lack of what's the word, um, the, the, there wasn't a persistent pressure amongst his the fans in Washington, amongst just the media, amongst anybody, to get him to change it. There was pressure, but it didn't last long enough to make any real change possible. So him being the uberly powerful man that he is, he, he you know he skated away, and I thought that that was going to be the best chance that we had to ever change the name of the Washington football team under Snyder. I thought that if we ever changed it, it would have to have been after he sold team or something. Um, so I, I, but so, and then this was just, this was, there was no movement on this. Even after, you know, Floyd's death and, and we had the Rayshon Brooks killing recently, obviously. And, you know, they, they have been, you know, every now and then a couple questions came up. Hey, what about the Washington team? And like, it was still radio silence. This feels out of nowhere to me. 
maybe I'm not paying close enough attention to the landscape of this conversation, but this, this when I saw these headlines today, I was like, wow, that that seemed like zero to hundred. It was like I saw a few people kind of saying, hey, we should probably revisit this, and now you know, again, a guy who is the you know majority or the minority you know owner in the team saying we got to change the name, you know, the company that. Invested two hundred and twenty million dollars, two hundred and five million dollars for uh, rights to have their name on the stadium, and saying you got to change the name. Nike saying we're not even we're not even selling your your, your stuff no more. <laughs> like we we're not even yeah, putting it, we're not even putting it on the rack. Like they're not even putting it out like that. Like the the only way as we now we always know is the only way you get real change. Unfortunately, in this country, is when uh, money is affected. When people's bottom lines are getting affected, that's when uh, people start moving in a different way. So this is probably this is the first, this is the most monetary pressure. If I feel like Snyder has probably faced in this question, and it makes me kind of feel like this this now is feeling more inevitable than I ever thought it would be under him. Yeah, I mean, I I, I wondered when I saw a couple of days ago. Or not even last night or whenever when they had the thing where you had, you know, all those companies kind of come together and say, pull out, you know, investors or whatever, trying basically something we're going to pull out if you don't change the name, including Nike. Um, how they, I mean, look, the NFL is a partner with Nike. Like, are they going to take their logo off of the Reds, off the, 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 the Redskins jerseys? Right. You know, like what's what what would be Nike's and not selling their merchandise is certainly a. Uh, a statement. Um, can you prevent the team from selling? You know, I mean, I, do you not produce it? Is that a is that a violation of whatever deal the league has with Nike? I don't know. There's a lot of interesting things about this, but I just think this um, the way we are in society. I just think I don't I don't, I don't see how. Uh, if the if Snyder's pocket gets hit enough, I don't think this is I don't think they're going to be able to avoid this. And I, a lot of times you wonder, look, does the team's quality affect this at all? Like the, the fact that the Westkins are bad, yes. that yes. adding one hundred percent. If you don't think that, I I think you, you're you're not bad meaning, but you're naive, right? Of course, that this the fact that this team is a clown show is right. why. There, it also They're makes not it exactly easy. a model organization, right? Now, nothing I, they, I, I nothing they do. If they were the Patriots or the Warriors, like they're going to be on such a microscope that the conversation probably would be had every year. But if they even if they were a moderately competent organization that was still kind of in the shadows, but like well ran and well respected, it might be a little different. And it's it's what's what's interesting is I think. While I may feel like these moves are kind of coming out of nowhere, you know, now there was, you know, FedEx, Nike, and PepsiCo had each received letters signed by 87 investment firms and shareholders with a combined $620 billion asking the companies to sever ties. I mean, that's <laughs> that sever ties with, with Washington until they change the name. I mean, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of monetary pressure. But despite the fact that I felt this was, not nearly as on the horizon as maybe it appears today. You know, them taking down homeboy 
uh, from the statue of the racist owner, Marshall, I think his name was. Yeah. From RFK. The, so I, I could not believe you know, that Bobby Mitchell's name number wasn't retired with the Washington Redskins. That's how. Yeah, that's that's that is. <laughs> I was sitting. I was like, when I saw that, I saw that headline cross last weekend. I was like, Bobby Mitchell's number is not retired for the Washington Redskins. Like he's an NFL icon in a in a trailblazer. Yo, Snyder, man, I don't know. I I don't know what to say about him. But anyway, I started seeing these moves, and I kind of didn't think much of it. I knew I knew it was okay. He's trying to you know keep people at bay in terms of the you know Washington name, and there's a lot of you know funny stuff in the light when you look at how Snyder has has honored people in that organization and how he's moved, and now he's trying to clean it up retrospectively. But now I, I feel like he probably's been feeling this pressure behind scenes. Since the Floyd thing happened, I think. I think now this is finally these companies and these people coming out saying, all right, you, you're not going to, you're going to not move, not say anything, you know, while we try to talk to you behind closed doors. All right, watch what we do. We'll, we'll see, see how much uh, you, you'll like it when we, we start speaking out loud about what we want you to do. Yeah. And Snyder is like, you know, he, he's an arrogant man. He's like, he, you know, he's, he's, he's DC Dolan. So he, yeah. he don't he's not gonna back down from a fight. I don't think this is gonna be. I still nice. don't think this is gonna be as easy. I was gonna, I was gonna go another step. <laughs> you think that's being nice to go with it? Another DC figure that we won't talk about. Okay. But, oh yeah, I see you there. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> in terms of defiance. But like no, but like it's it's like he ain't gonna go down with a fight. I still don't think this is gonna be maybe as easy as people think. Because um, telling a man with billions of dollars what to do, man, <laughs> good luck. Is what I'll say. Now, again, the only way you really do make that put that pressure on them is when you hurt their pockets. But, but yeah, I was I was shocked by that. I also, um, Kendall saw that there apparently the NFL is going to be playing the Black National Anthem, "Lift Every Voice and Sing," uh, before uh, Week One games this year, assuming they'll play. And we'll I guess talk about that a little bit later in the show. Look, I. I the NFL is trying to do everything they can to make us forget that they blackball Kaepernick and have not still signed him. It's like that's look, an ex- what they're doing now. It seems like not to say an excessive measure, but it's nothing that anybody asked for. Nobody wanted this. Nobody. Now it's not to say that it isn't nice. Lift every voice and sing should be played way more often. The fact that um, you know, no, no, anecdotally. It was, you know, supposed to be. It was a large portion of a, you know, a New York One, you know, special on racial inequality that we just that just produced from New York One yesterday. That was uh, that aired yesterday. Um, a lot of people don't know about it. it was NASCAR played it, I think, last weekend, which was really cool. Um, it's 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 a beautiful song, and it should be played way more. But like again, one not understanding that the the point of the issue is not the anthem. Like again, they like. Somehow they still get stuck on like the actual anthem being a problem, even though the anthem actually is problematic. It, it, there's the second verse that we don't sing is mad racist. It, the person who wrote it was racist. Like it, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of very questionable stuff about the national anthem. But really, none of this that started all of this had anything to do with the actual anthem. It was just the 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 setting and the and the stage for when the protests were, uh, for something totally different were happening. 
So, like, I think it's kind of also, like, disingenuous to be, like, talking about, oh, we're going to give you an anthem you may like. It's like, the, the anthem is not the point. Um, and and all these, all of these things don't make up for the original injustice. What you guys did to Colin Kaepernick was wrong. It was unjust. It was immoral. And these, these gestures are all they are. They're gestures. You need to try to fix you're wrong, and I it just it just I'm just, I'm so tired of hearing like it's not just the NFL it's all these companies doing the, like these random gestures that like nobody wants and it's like you know you know outside of football it's just like hey man we just want police to be held accountable and 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 for blacks to be you know not you know systemically oppressed it's not not that complicated we don't need you know Jersey Mike's to change their uh, sandwich to to Black Lives Matter it's not not what I asked for. It's fine. I'm glad that you you felt the need to do something, but that's not what we asked for. And for the NFL, I didn't ask for you to to, to put the song "Lift Every Voice" and sing as a national anthem. The anthem was never the problem. The problem was systemic racism and how your owners seem to kowtow it with who they run in circles with. And then when you had a guy who tried to take a stand against it, you buried him. No other way to put it. You completely buried him. You eviscerated him. You did every best to smear him, and you still haven't given him a job. And the only way he got his money for the money that you took away out of his pocket was by suing you. So no, I don't want to hear about national black national anthems. I don't want to hear about another players' coalition. I know they don't. They, they're not. They're not putting players' coalitions. I know that's the players. I'm not. No beef to the coalition. I'm just these things about. Okay, here's some more money we're gonna throw at it. No, start off with. Fixing what you did wrong, and then maybe we can have a conversation about okay, now let's now I can maybe feel like okay, you're you're really down with us in terms of trying to create real change. Otherwise, keep all that other crap. I don't need it. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. Um, let, let's get to the uh, to the rest of this show. We'll talk more uh, football stuff later. More fu- fun football stuff, though. I think maybe there will be more controversy regarding uh, Cam. The, the cam signing uh, as well, so we'll, we'll talk about that. But let's talk about the NBA. So the NBA restart bubble is starting to take shape despite the spiking COVID cases across the country and 25 COVID-positive players uh, uh, since testing began in late June. Things are expected to kick off with a nighttime doubleheader on July 31st that would feature, feature the Jazz versus the Pelicans, who ironically – somehow uh, ended up with the easiest remaining schedule of the bubble teams that are headed to Orlando. And the Lakers and the Clippers will play in the nightcap. Meanwhile, players uh, and league officials are weighing in on what is slated to be the most unprecedented quest for an NBA championship in league history. Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo says this will be, quote, the toughest championship one could ever win. Meanwhile, Anthony Davis says his Lakers now have a higher chance of winning the title because their team is more rested uh, because of the layoff. League Commissioner Adam Silver says whoever wins the title should receive a gold star, not an asterisk, as I've been saying, uh, because of the circumstances regarding COVID and the layoff and the pandemic and everything. So, Kendall, gold star, not an asterisk. Is he right? I I can't say he is wrong or right because we don't know who the champion is and Come what on, the man, that's no that's no fun. What do you mean you can't say he's not wrong? Right? Well, why are we know, doing this then? Because we don't know the circumstance upon how the championship was won. 
you know, like, why would I predetermine, pre preemptively say the champion, the championship is an asterisk, or the champion deserves a medal of freedom? It, you know, neither one would be applicable when we don't have a champion right now. I understand the concept of this isn't this isn't the playoffs. You know, there's all these different factors that help a team, but I the reason I say this is, for example, if the Lakers won a championship when Anthony Davis tested positive for COVID and would, had to quarantine during the NBA Finals. Maybe he had to quarantine for the Finals and the Conference Finals. Maybe he tested positive twice. I don't know. But, like, and the Bucks were fully healthy, and they got through the Clippers and Bucks without Anthony Davis, then, yeah, they deserve a gold star. They had to... They had to pedal through a very very uh unusual circumstance but and something that you know obviously hampered them and they were able to go through and still you know rise above the rest uh where your asterisk your asterisk theory, uh, theory comes in is when you talk about on the flip side if anthony davis and lebron both death positive for covid during the nba finals and the Bucks win a championship because the Lakers don't have their two best players, then there's, a, there's absolutely going to be an asterisk on that uh, ring for Milwaukee because that's not a normal circumstance. And of course, you could say like guys can get hurt during any uh, during any playoffs during any any during any NBA Finals. We saw what happened with Toronto last year. Why isn't there an asterisk on that championship? There would be an asterisk on this one. Well, because I think, first of all, mathematically, I think it's way more likely for you to become you to get for you to test positive for coronavirus than for you to tear your ACL or tear your Achilles in an NBA Finals game. I just think there's the odds of you testing positive when this thing is as deadly or not as deadly, but you know you can can call it deadly if you want, but just as contagious as it is, and a guy just tests positive. That's all you have to do. To, to 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 quarantine and be out of the finals, test positive, and now you're gone for 14 days. And if that's the case, that can obviously shift a postseason and shift a series in a massive direction. It doesn't matter who the guy is, or it doesn't matter who the guy is, but it could be anybody. And if that's the case, so yeah, I, it can go either way. If if a team that gets stricken by multiple you know coronavirus cases, if Taco Fall ends up being Finals MVP then the Celtics deserve a massive amount of credit for winning a championship. But if Tyler Fall is the best player on the Celtics by the time we get to the Eastern Conference Finals and the Bucks beat the beat the Celtics because of that, then I I don't give them that much credit. I just throw my hand up and say, well, COVID got us. So it really depends on the circumstance. But I would lean more in saying that it's way more likely that there will be an asterisk championship then there will be a gold star championship. So if that's if that's what you're asking, that's what I would say. Yeah, I, I Adam Silver is not correct here. Uh, I'm sticking to my guns. Anybody who wins this championship is is getting a big old asterisk around it. And that's not to say that this still can't be fun. That's not to say this still can't be uh, a great accomplishment. It's still it's not to say that you know I won't enjoy the heck out of watching it potentially, whatever the situation is. But you just can't tell me that, again, in a season where we've never had like this before, you can have, uh, you know, three-month layoff, taking away home court advantage, um, 
weird scheduling of games. We don't, the coronavirus, the coronavirus is going to play a factor in these playoffs and in these, in these seeding games. It's one hundred percent. It's going to happen. We're seeing it already. We're seeing these players who are testing positive. Some guys aren't even going because they test positive. DeAndre Jordan tested positive. He's like, all right, I'm out. I can't. I'm not going. He just Spencer Dinwiddie right now on the mend. Yeah, like, like so. This is going to happen. It's 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 already going to happen. I saw a really disturbing um, thread from a doctor on Twitter. I know that probably sounds. Really not credible. <laughs> it's like some doctor on Twitter. But I, I'm just saying. It, I saw a doctor on Facebook. I am saying the guy seemed to be kind of legit. And I, I only saw the thread because it was retweeted by Michael Ease from ESPN. Shout out to him. Um, but he was saying how, like, yo, fam, like, all these players on the Dallas MLS team, like, tested positive for COVID. Like. In the bubble, right? In the bubble, yeah. We, like, the bubble was compromised already. It's like day one. Nobody, no, basically no one was nobody's there. It's already compromised. He's like, because if these guys tested positive in the bubble, even though they left Dallas negative, like now we're in a, in a very bad situation. There's a chance that they either they either could have got in Dallas and the test didn't show up and they showed up and now they're in there and nobody knew until they got tested. Or even worse, somehow when they got to Florida, they contracted the virus. Either way, it's very bad. So if you're telling me this is the kind of stuff we're going to be living with the NBA season, there's no way you can tell me this is a... I don't want to say legitimate NBA champion. That seems a little harsh, but this is just this is an asterisk. It's different. It's not the same. It's not equal to what we're used to seeing. And that's it's it's it. Look, it's the life that we're living in. And maybe if you know, I don't know what our future holds in terms of, um, you know, COVID. Obviously, but God forbid we're in a situation where hey man, we're with COVID for five years and like you know. This is kind of the wave, and, and we got it. This is how basketball is being played. Well, that's a little different. I mean, I look back and say, hey, man, this was the, the era. This was the era of COVID. So I can't take away championships <laughs> right. or put an asterisk on, champion, yeah. on three, four, or five championships just because, you know, these were the circumstances. It's equal for everybody. So that's different. But if we are talking about this being a, a one-off or even maybe a two-off, yeah, this is uh, not going to be the same. This is not an asterisk. So, Yana's yeah. saying it's, it's going to be tougher than normal. I, I, I do kind of get I – get, I agree with that because the COVID thing is so unpredictable that, yeah, you could lose your starting point guard tomorrow yeah. for two and weeks. I think that's what Adam Silver is talking about where he says, like, while, yes, I understand why some people will say there's an asterisk on it, everyone – every team is going to deal with an obstacle. Now some teams are gonna be hurt more than others, and some teams may get lucky. If that's how, but you that's the, that's how I feel though. Okay. I feel like it's gonna be a situation where the team that doesn't get hit with the worst attrition will probably win this thing. Yeah, and it could be anybody. Like yeah, and who knows who that's gonna be? It's a thing will snap. Whoever, whatever team, luckily doesn't exactly much. You know, and you whatever. can't control it. It's not like yo, man. Our social distancing and hand washing skills were just way better than the other team. That's why we won. Like, yeah, it's random. It's, um, it's random, exactly. And what's odd, or not what's odd, but what's what's going to be fascinating to watch if this ever happens is, which well, I'll ask you about that after I made this point, but what's going to be fascinating to watch is basketball is a sport that's so predicated on the top-tier players carrying a team, mm-hmm. the NBA particularly. And because of that, it will create a dynamic where you could have, like, 
this year more than any year, there's going to be extreme parity in the playoffs. I feel like, while, yeah, some of the bottom teams that aren't going to send their best players, Bradley Beal talking about I might not even go, the Nets not are a joke, they might not even make the playoffs. Like, a couple of those teams probably have no chance. But there is probably a legit 10 or 11 teams that could win a championship this year. And that seems crazy. But if the chips fall a certain yeah, way. If, if you're in a situation where anybody can be taken out for two weeks during the playoffs, then that and, opens and 11, up the, you know, the amount of teams that can win it. Absolutely. You know, like, in, I'm, I'm, I don't know about Indiana, but, like, Miami could win a championship 100%. Of course. They yeah. get lucky where Giannis is out and they beat Boston. And then all of a sudden the NBA Finals and Kawhi Leonard is out. Yeah. Can Miami beat the right, right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, or AD's out. Yeah, yeah or AD's out. Like, not, Miami's not a normal championship contender. I would say they're a not. team that maybe could have won the East if things went correctly. Perfect. Anyway. Yeah. But now you're talking winning a championship seemed out of the team, may not out of the question, but it seemed unlikely. Dallas is the team I talked about before saying I think they have a chance to beat the Lakers. I think they could win a championship now. Because if the other team's best player is out, if Luka Doncic somehow, you know, is healthy the whole time. Now, if Luka Doncic is out, they have no chance of winning a series, probably. But Luka Doncic is healthy the whole time. They're better than than he's going to be the best player in the league. There's only about four, five, six, seven guys in the bubble that are going to be better than him anyway. So, like, it's going to really create some parity that will be very fascinating to watch. And round by round. Yeah. You know, the Lakers, we're talking about the Lakers going to the finals. If LeBron tests positive early on, they could lose in the first round. Right. Especially with these guys not all being in the best shape. Could the could the Blazers beat the Lakers in a seven-game series if LeBron wasn't playing? Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And that's why, it, to me, it's... it's I, I mean, gold star, like, in the sense that, like... Look, I do think that this is going to be a crazy experience. And for a team that wins, it will be rewarding. Um, So, like, I would celebrate it. Like, it'd be amazing. Because they'd be like, yo, man, look what we survived. And I guess from that standpoint, I get the gold star thing. But you also get in that asterisk, dog. Like, don't don't get it twisted. Like, yeah, you'll get your gold star for being like, yo, man, this was crazy. And you guys won championship during this crazy, unprecedented time. But, yeah, this is an asterisk as well. I don't see how you can look at it any other way. Because, you know, people, a lot of times, what I've seen is people have, 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 I think, um, misguidedly compared you know the covid thing to like injuries it's like okay but like because i have been one who like i always say the raptors zero asterisk on what they did last year and then people say well how do you say that when kevin durant got hurt it's like well when you go into a season you are supposed to account for certain scenarios that could happen to your team one of them includes physical injury and your idea is everybody knows this is possible at any point in time. You're supposed to build the strongest team you possibly can that could withstand even those injuries. And especially the Warriors, considering they had like four Hall of Famers on the team. Like, they, yeah. if anybody was able to, you know, you think we withstand injuries, them. So so that's different because you go into the, to the, to the so, season knowing that. We didn't, we didn't go into the season thinking about what happens so, if some guys just don't come to the bubble because they they don't want to get COVID or you know right. they have some issue or or a guy gets COVID and you're not anticipating that being an issue and not being like oh I didn't think I could lose LeBron randomly for two weeks for something that didn't exist and then when the season started like that's clearly not the same thing. So, from a basketball perspective, mm-hmm. 
what teams theoretically are most well positioned for this format? And not just the format, but the circumstance. I think the Lakers. I think the Lakers. The Lakers. I think are well are well formatted because again they have two elite elite players. Right. So, so if one like, of them were to be out, one was to go down. Could Lakers beat somebody in the first round with AB or LeBron out? Yes, they could. I'm not saying they would, but they could. They get. They have a fighting chance. Um, Houston, I would think the same. Houston, thing. you know, Westbrook and Harden, both of the guys equipped to carrying teams let's say if even it's not those guys get sick but other guys get sick those guys are they've been in situations where they've had to carry teams that are undermanned by themselves for yeah. you know, months Dan at a time and then tony knows how to get the best out of anybody anybody on his roster exactly so houston i think would be a team boston i think would be a team that would yeah. be uh quick because they have multiple guys that can that can that can score put the ball and, in the basket and handle the basketball exactly and they have a coach who's used to doing uh more with less i think the bucks would be I think the Bucs are in terrible position. I think that this is a this situation, that, and I mean that's why Giannis is saying, "Yo, man, this is going to be really hard." Because and if they go without Giannis for any point in time, they're kind of screwed. They can't win. And I like I love Chris Middleton. You know how much I love him, but he's not that kind of he's not that kind of animal dog. Like he like right. he's not the kind of guy that can carry a team. I think for weeks at a time, which is what you would need. And again, in the most high pressure situation and obscure yeah. situations. That's not really what you're. I mean, they'd be testing these guys every day. So I'm trying to say, come up bad one time, you're out. You're, for two you're weeks. out for two weeks at least. Again, we're talking about at least. Like, we're That's saying the best weeks. case scenario, the guy is asymptomatic. They do his test, nothing's wrong, and he's able to play in two weeks. What about the worst case scenario? I mean, well, that's, dear God, that's not the worst case scenario. Obviously, that's death. Yeah, but but, but a bad scenario where maybe the person is is really sick, and 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 you know, okay, they're they're asymptomatic and they test. Oh, excuse me. They test negative two weeks later, but they're they're messed up. Their breathing problems are issues. They have issues. Yeah, they shouldn't with. be playing basketball. They're fatigued. They can't play basketball. Like a COVID positive case could mean you're done for the season, just very <laughs> easily. Like very easily. That's yeah. that's. I don't want to say the more likely scenario, but that's yeah. I saw very, I talking about that as well. That's a very likely scenario. That once you get COVID in that bubble, you're done. Yeah, the doctor talking about a guy that. I think team physicians, actually, I think uh, this might have been an article. I think it might have been Baxter Holmes' article in ESPN. But he talks about team physicians are worried about, you know, if guy if a guy tests positive and he's quarantined for two weeks, you know, he can't just start up right away and start playing. Of course not. Yeah. You know, they have to get into, they have to get back into basketball conditioning and may take an extra four or five days. But what happens if you're in the middle of the playoffs? Do you rush the guy back? Yeah, what if it's game five of the finals? Yeah. you down three, you're down three, two. A couple days. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be yeah. This is gonna and so look, I, I there think, are gonna be a lot of teams in there that are sweating bullets. Milwaukee, one of them, you know, where you're like, wow, if, if something goes wrong, you know. And it, look, I think the Lakers, I think the Lakers are well equipped because they have LeBron and AD. But if the championship is their goal, losing LeBron would be tragic, of course, for yeah. the championship odds. Same with the Clippers and Kawhi. Yeah, you know. Where, and of course, in theory, you can say that by any team that has their that has that their best player, you know, that would lose their best player. But when you're talking about a team that, in a normal circumstance, like the Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, would be almost locks to make the conference finals, right? And probably locks to make the finals in theory, almost locks to make the finals. Then, 
it really hampers their odds. Like, if they were, the Lakers were a 75% chance of making the finals before, probably a high number, but still, if they were 75% before, it's down to 40. And that could even be lower if you really think about it. Yeah, I mean, AD said that, you know, he thinks their chances are greater now. I'm like, I, he doesn't know what he's talking about. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like, I get from the ball standpoint, yeah, you feel great probably. You never had three weeks off, three months off in the middle of yeah, the season. Yeah, you probably feel great. You think, you know, oh, in, uh, in this scenario, we got – LeBron, we got me, we got Howard, we got Kuzma, we got Ballers. Yeah, and and, and we're rested now. And I get that, but, you know, AD doesn't understand, or maybe he's in denial, that this coronavirus thing is real, man. And all it takes is one one of those guys to go down for two weeks, three weeks, the whole season. And now, you know, now you don't look as fresh as you did coming in. What are you going to ask me, Kendall? Does this even happen? The cases in Florida, obviously, Man. we're not scientists. We're not, uh, you know, I, I'm. you were for a news station. I do not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not. This isn't MSNBC. But yeah. the cases in Florida are rising. That's 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 a fact. They're in Orlando. Um, do, do you think that this is even going to happen? Te- players are testing positive. You talked about the Disney bubble with the MLS kind of already kind of imploding that concept. And then we're hearing today that. Uh, they're going to have a loser's bubble with the eight teams that didn't make the bubble. They didn't make the Disney bubble. They're going to be in the yeah, the soap bubble is what yeah, I'll call it. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think... I, here's what I... I think there's a great chance this gets delayed. I don't know about canned, but could the start of this get delayed? Yeah, I can see that happening. I, that would probably be that would probably be the smart measure, and, and it would it, it would obviously jeopardize everything. But there's just no there's no reason to believe today that whenever these guys must leave in two weeks, that the situation in Florida is going to be better. And even if it's better, like that's like a relative term. It's like okay, better, but is it safe? Which is again, all, of course, the biggest issue and. No, it's not safe in Florida right now. So that's real. I, I I think at a certain point the NBA is gonna have to really again look live look at the liability that they're gonna be playing with if they try to go forward with this. And I, I don't I can't put a percentage on it, but I think that there's a higher percentage of maybe people are willing to acknowledge that this does get at least pushed back to say okay we'll we'll start this in mid mid August and see. Because the thing about the second bubble, which we'll get to, I guess, right almost, right after we finish this point, is, as I'm going to mention, you know, those games, like, they're, they're talking about games in, like, September, which, I mean, look, there's a realistic, I mean, there's a chance by September, you know, things look a lot better. I, the dear to God, hope that by that point, it, it is a lot different, you know? And right. And to, the idea of, okay, you know, basketball games in a bubble environment in September, I can see that. I can see that happening and not being like the most dangerous thing in the world. Not feeling like Russian roulette, like the way this Orlando thing feels. So when I saw that happen, especially, I was like, mm, they might have to really think about, okay, let's push this joint back. And, you know, they're, they're pushing this July, August date because I think they really want to come back for Christmas. And they know they need, you know, obviously the full. And the thing is, they're saying they, I don't even know if they really need the whole full off season, so to speak. They're saying that, but when you get three months off and then you got this short time to play, I don't think you need two, another three months off. I think you can do a month and be all right, see you guys in a month. 
Like, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think that you know a full off season is necessary given these circumstances. So, I, I, so that, so yeah. I, to, if you ask me, is this going to happen? I'm gonna, I'm gonna say for now, yes, because Adam Silver is out saying quotes like, you know, at the end of the day, this is for the greater good or whatever he said um, earlier this week, which I was just like, man. And, and look, he like sometimes I kind of in one sense I kind of feel bad for Adam because like we kind of because he is such a good um, because he is such a good commissioner and league is legitimately pretty progressive. Like now, like we heap expectations on him, like he's not like just like the employee of a bunch of billionaires. Like he going do but so much and say but so much. So you know he he's saying quotes like. We're coming back because sports matter in our society. They bring people together when we need it the most. When there's, you know, again, raging uh, COVID cases coming up all over the place. And his his answer to that is, yes, the level of concern has increased. Not just because of the increased levels in Florida, but throughout the country. But then says, uh, we feel very comfortable right now with where we are. <laughs> I mean, look, again, he... He works for a bunch of owners who want to get this back. They want to get this money. So, and and they're not as bad as, you know, the owners in baseball and football. So, the NBA ends up doing a lot of, can, can, ends up doing a lot of good during these, during various situations where we expect them to t- take a stand. And Adams has a latitude to really do that. But, at the end of the day, this is, this is what he's being paid to do. So, I feel like they're going to try to do this thing. But it, I, I, my anticipation is that this is going to be really bad by the end of July. Like I think that the cases in Florida, I'm not a doctor. I'm not someone who's a mathematician who could look at the models and tell you. But just someone who just who saw, again, saw what looked like in New York when things got really bad in terms of just the numbers every day, literally, because I had no choice but to know these numbers because of my day job. And seeing what's happening now, I'm just like, you're you're in a, you're in a, you're in a fantasy land if you think that in three two three weeks this is that Florida will be back to what it was a month ago. No way, that's not going to happen. So now it's either you are either comfortable with with a rampant COVID outbreak in, in the state, maybe in the city you're in, but feeling like your bubble is good enough to keep it out, or you got to make a decision. And I think the decision won't be to can it yet because again they want to get the money, but I think it will be to delay. It. If that if it comes to that, yeah, yeah, you wanna you wanna transition to the uh, yeah the, the losers bubble. Yes, yeah, so let's talk about the losers bubble. So meanwhile, the league is currently working on a plan to create a second bubble in Chicago for the eight lottery teams that were not invited to Orlando. A call was held today with seven of the eight teams that excluded my New York Knicks, who were too busy uh, interviewing Jason Kidd. And one of the San Antonio Spurs assistants for their head coaching job, so they did not participate. And they are reportedly really not that keen on this whole thing anyway. But um, anyway, uh, this idea would uh, would be that the team would participate in a mini camp and then some games. The details are still being discussed, but games will be played in September, as I mentioned earlier. Now, in these conversations, teams are still pushing for another idea that would allow them to do mini camps in their own facilities and cities then establish regional sites where some teams can scrimmage, but not this whole new bubble. And like I said at the top of the show, this was shocking to a lot of NBA reporters 
because Michelle Roberts, uh, either recently or last week, I think it was early last week, I think, said that this was just not going to happen. This was no longer on the table. And now it's got great traction. And I think, you know, I was watching Brian Winhold before I came in here. He made it sound like it was more likely that this would happen than it wouldn't, which is shocking to me. But, Kendall, what do you make? Are you interested in a second NBA bubble? Um, am I interested in a second NBA bubble? So, look, it's, I'm probably not the best person to ask. Although I'm a basketball junkie, I am not a fan of any of those teams. Uh, you were probably a better measure because you're a Knicks fan whose team is not in the bubble. And I, mm-hmm. there was a part of me that does feel bad for certain teams, fans, fan bases, rather, um, that their favorite team isn't going to be in the bubble and this NBA restart kind of, like, now nah, look, I mean, beggars can't be choosers. Just getting NBA basketball in general, regardless of whether or not your team is in it, it's probably still very, very positive. But um, but still, uh, as someone whose team isn't in this or in this Chicago bubble, this loser's bubble, the Sony bubble, as I like to call it, um, it feels like a complete waste of time, if I'm being honest. Um, I know that some of the people argue you can't go nine months without playing basketball if they do want to start in December or January, however long they, they plan on starting next season. But I would question people to remember the uh, lockout in, what was that, 2012? Remember the season started, the season ended in June, but for a lot of teams it ended in April. And they didn't start playing games until Christmas. Christmas. So they went eight months without basketball. Now this will be an extra month, but there was no talk about we got to do OTAs or we got to we got to play. Uh, yeah, it was legitimately illegal to do it. <laughs> they even they yes, wanted to. They, yeah, I know. Obviously, they couldn't. <laughs> but but there was there the but there was no conversation of oh man we gotta we gotta have these teams play a whole you know month or two month long preseason to get these guys ready like I, they they started the season they had a bad probably they had a short preseason and they played then they played the, the season that's the only way you have to go about this um you can't have these guys playing on taking unnecessary uh quote-unquote hits when it comes to coronavirus because you want them to stay in shape for next season whenever that is um not in the way, not with the way the the country is right now, and it's unfortunate. If you really, if the NBA really wanted to do this right, they would play games outside of the United States. As crazy as that sounds, but they would do what the UFC is doing and rent out an island. That's actually <laughs> a brilliant idea. I'm not even yeah, on front. Like that's whatever actually yeah. Do that. Um, I think, and I think they were. So enamored with the one, the Disney aspect of it mm-hmm. intrigued them, and I think the staying in America thing intrigued them. I don't think they wanted to go overseas because the idea with the UFC, I think the UFC, honestly, I think they got lucky because one of their major things with having this island was that they would allow it would allow international fighters to com- to compete. They would have an easier time getting to that to the island than they would getting to getting through to the United States. Um, I remember early on. I remember early on when this the bubble idea was being discussed initially, that um, Hawaii was one of the places that were mentioned. 
Hawaii is where they should have gone. And, and I, when I heard that, I was like, that sounds interesting. And I'm looking at, like, I was like, all right, well, how what's Hawaii's coronavirus response look like? I saw an article where they had, like, uh, you know, 20 new cases. And I'm like, look, it's not, look, 20 is bad still. It's a small island. But you're trying to talk about, okay, what's the safest way to, and, and, and to make sure that, you know, we can be as isolated as possible? I'm sure, you know, dealing with 20 is way better than dealing with, I don't even, whatever the number is in Florida, I don't even want to think about how bad it is at this point. They're in the thousands, I assume, every day at this point. Like, yeah, it, it's, and that's why I don't believe the NBA when they say, "Oh, this was the safest way to go about it." It's like, that's cap. If you're reading, yeah, if you're reading one hundred percent. What's the safest way? There are ways you could have played basketball next month that would have been safer, but. For whatever reason, there were other factors at play that made them. Again, I think they were enamored also with the fact that Florida was a state that was letting sports play. Yeah, they saw WWE and everybody. Yeah, UFC, WWE getting their bag in. Yeah, and Florida's numbers were low at the time, so they were like, "Oh, this is a great Disney." The low numbers. It's a state that's opening up that lets us play. They let us operate. We're an essential business. They won't shut us down. So that made sense, but. They they didn't factor in some of the politics of it that, you know, cases were obviously going to get worse given the leadership, and it is what it is. But this 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 other bubble just doesn't make any sense. I, I mean, from a fan's perspective, the only way I'd ever be engaged in this type of thing is if there was stakes involved. And the only real stakes that would make any sense, outside of a financial bonus, which... I wouldn't, I wouldn't care as a fan, would be if you were playing for draft position. You know, yeah. the lottery tournament that team that people have been talking about for years, this would be the only way you could do it. And I would watch, and I would care. I would I maybe watch because I'm a basketball junkie, but it would be like the summer league. But yeah, this would be, that, This would be the only time I think I would be for something like that. I know you know me. I always thought that that was a terrible idea. but Right. I think, I think the like the – the canon of the league is just so so messed up. Like that's why I've said like I would do completely crazy things this year because it's all broken. Yeah. So just to keep drive interest and keep people positive. Like to me, like what happened in that. To me, again, like this everything that happens post COVID is like a new season to me. Like none of this is the same thing we had before. Yeah, it's like yeah, so to me, yeah. like you're talking about oh like we gotta respect like the first whatever many games. I'm like I don't really think so. I think you could do whatever you want at this point. So, if, yeah, if you wanted to say, yo, these eight terrible teams, you really want the number one pick so bad, go out and win some games? I, <laughs> hey, man, that you want to talk about driving ratings, which brings me to my point on this, Kendall. This feels – sham is a strong word. I don't know if sham is – that's not the word I probably want to use. But this – and then the second word I'm thinking is con. I'm like, man, that sounds really harsh too. <laughs> Talk about a synonym. <laughs> but – this feels like a money grab that's so blatant that I don't even I, I'm surprised there isn't more kind of outrage behind it because let's look about this. Well, when I was watching Windhorse, uh, and then I read the article, I think it might have been by him who wrote it about how this would work. What was buried in that article what was buried in his soundbite was when he got to the point where he said, "This would would mirror similar to what you you see in the summer league." And I was like, oh, that's what's happening here. So 
the money revenue that they get from the summer league. And Kendall, we were in Las Vegas last year. We know what kind of business that's run in Las yes. Vegas for that summer league. It is a massive, massive event, business, industry, whatever you want to call it. That's gone now. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So, because the, the timing of it was weird too to me. I was like, wait, but September, like, that's like, isn't the draft going to be in October? Like, that's a weird, like, why, how would that even work? That, that doesn't make, it didn't make sense to me. I was like, I'm trying to wrap my head around why they would have this tournament after the NBA, this, whatever this is, after the NBA finals. I was like, you don't play games at the NBA finals. What's going on? And I was like, oh, this is the NBA, this is the summer league. Yeah. It's the same thing. Short amount of games. They're going to play a little, a little tournament. And and they're gonna get some practice in, and then and then they're gonna send these teams home. But but like, what's the value of that when you're talking about if it is like the summer, which mm-hmm. I agree it would be. Like if you're the Warriors, like none of your better players are gonna play. I wouldn't even want Eric Pascal. If I'm Eric Pascal, I'm like, why am I playing? Well, I think that for now, you asked me as a Nick fan, how would I feel about it? I think the whole idea is I don't know. I'm not trying to watch have Steph Curry out there at all. But, but Kevin Knox? Yeah. Do I want to see make sure Kevin Knox is getting his work in? Do I want to see that Frank Nilakina is getting some quality work in? That you no, know, Damian Dotson? That they even RJ Barrett is getting some quality work in. No, yes. no, RJ Barrett you gotta stay ten feet away from that bubble. Yeah, stay out of that joint. He's too valuable. He's valuable, I know. <laughs> if one if one for the COVID thing, I would I would still say I, I wouldn't mind. Right, yeah. From a from a basketball standpoint, I, I totally understand. Yeah. I, but COVID, yeah, yeah I see you in that. I, Everyone else is like, I mean, no, not to say everyone's valuable from a, of course, from a human, human life standpoint. standpoint, but just from a basketball standpoint, right. like, you know, you can't afford to uh, even have him get hurt. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I see you even on that. Playing in the game. You can't yeah, have play, him. You haven't played in months and now you're going out there playing in these random games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's meaningless basketball game. It doesn't make sense. I see. But then like, you know, you got some guys in the G League, you know, uh, uh, like, the, like the kid Wooten. Um, yeah, Iggy. Yeah, you know they just they just signed you know uh, Justin Harper. Like yeah, those are guys I'd want to. Yeah, uh, a Jared Harper. Yeah. I mean, sorry. Um, those are the kind of guys. Yeah, I wanna I wanna see Theo Pinson. No, I don't want to see Theo Pinson. Don't get me started on a Theo Pinson signing. Um, <laughs> those are, yeah, I, I I'd want to see that. I, I don't. I wouldn't mind so, that. So if I propose to you, EJ, lottery tournament. And you'd have to then add an incentive for the players. Maybe it's like TBT, where they're playing for money as well. Do you think all parties agree? Um, no, seems like the Warriors probably. Like, well, I don't right. think that the teams will. I don't think the teams will agree to a tournament to decide the lottery. I don't think they'd want that. I think that's a, only a fan thing. Right. I think that the teams. I think if you're a really bad team, you're like. We 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 are not going to win this. Yeah, like, I mean, I know you're against another, a bunch of other bad teams, but you're like, we have the worst chance of winning this, and we need this pick more than anyone else. Whoever that team is this year, I don't know who the worst team in the team. But is all the Hawks, I guess. Bad? I'm like, we're talking, we're seriously talking about the teams that didn't make the bubble. Mm-hmm. Do we look at any of those teams and say guarantee they win it? Okay, but then okay, so then you're in a situation where now you're the Warriors. You're like, all right, so. I can play Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, like, and now am I not going to do it because I'm worried about injury, or am I doing it maybe in, in a situation where they, they should they, when they shouldn't out. be out when they really shouldn't be out there, like then then you get in a dangerous situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think they would play, but like theoretically, it'd probably be a smart move. 
I mean, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're in a situation where they're healthy and you can get the number one pick, if they play, I'm playing them. Yeah, they and they don't under any that. under any other circumstances beyond this weird stuff, they're absolutely playing. Yeah, and they would play because that's always the question: is like, oh, would players even want to play for their replacement? But like Steph Curry, he's not worried about that. He's like, yeah, I need help. Yeah, Curry and Clay, yes. they're getting out there immediately. They're like, especially playing as some scrubs. Yeah, nope. that asset could turn like into Bradley Beal or turn into you know some other star player. You know, you could so, earn earn your way to getting that kind of player. Yeah, they'll do it. And so that's why I'm not. I wouldn't be as worried about that factor. But you would have to add in a financial incentive or some other incentive to give players a reason to really play outside of. But, oh, my team just got a draft pick. I don't care. But you don't think Rookie. this is kind of like this is obviously ridiculous. The idea that they're trying to get this summer league, some of this summer league money back. Because that's what this is to me. It's summer league money, and I also think it's the TV money. I that's what, I know. That's what I'm. Talk, that's what I'm talking about. But, but like, I think it's also the, like the local TV money. You know, like well, I know back in the day, the summer league used to be on local TV for some teams. This was for the Knicks. That's a good point. Like, but, yeah, because because that's what's interesting about this bubble is that a lot of these games are still going to be broadcast by local television networks. Yeah. Well, and, one of the things I learned today, Kendall, that I didn't realize was one of the reasons why these teams are interested in. In the bubble, even though a lot of them would prefer not to do it, they prefer to have their own kind of, again, their own mini camps and then private scrimmages. One of the reasons why I heard they are interested is because these teams, like, their money is being spent on the bubble, even though they're not there. I guess the way the right. revenue is is split up, they still got to pay out all the NBA's expenses to get this bubble thing off the ground. And they, they, they get none of the benefits of the bubble, if you call it benefits. Right. Some people may say it's torture. But, like, you know, none of the workouts, none of the training, none, none of, but they're paying for it all. So, not all of it, but, like, they're paying for their portion of it. Everyone's paying an equal pot. It's not like, okay, you eight teams, you guys are absolved from this track. It's just the 22 teams. Everybody is, the whole league is paying it. So, for them, it's like, how come we're paying for something that we're not getting any benefit from? All right, now, I'm, well, I'm, sure, I'm sure if you ask, you know, Julius Randle or Trey Thompson, Trey, Trey Young, they'd be like, I'm I'm totally fine with not <laughs> being out there and stuck in a place for three, you know however many months I have to be there when I have no chance of winning a championship. I'm good where I am. Like I'm sure they're okay with it, but I think from the league standpoint, it's like think our about, money's being wasted. Think about MSG. You know, MSG missed out on however many Nick games that they were supposed to have. And that was the big deal. With, that was a big deal about even restarting the season was the local TV deals. Would get blown up, yeah. If they didn't have those games, and if that happens, then the CBA gets blown up. And if the CBA gets blown up, then now we're we're in a lockout, we're in a player work stoppage, and that's obviously bad. In part, yeah, like Comcast or Spectrum LA is great. Is they feel great because they get their Laker games back, however many that is. If, assuming the Lakers are also going to be on national TV, you know, I'm sure you know New NBC Sports Boston is happy that the Celtics are back. But Fox Sports Atlanta doesn't get to show their Hawks games. MSG doesn't get to show their Nick games. This could be that replacement for that as well. I just, I just think that again, they're thinking so solely on the dollar, and that's what got this country here in the first place. <laughs> Is not thinking about any health aspect of it. It makes no sense from a health perspective. There's no incentive. There's no. Um, 
there's it, there's very little basketball game for being honest. Again, if this is just about player evaluation, you can do that from home. You don't need to. We don't need to. See, we don't need to be in a bubble for three weeks to see whether or not you know Kevin Knox is ready. It would be help. It could help, but it's not necessary. Now, if you want to say, all right, it, the the NBA, the Disney bubble, is a necessary measure not only for finance, finance, but also just determining a champion. Then I understand that. But if we're talking about exhibition games, imagine if this is a preseason. We're doing really doing a bubble for the preseason for teams that I don't know. It, it just doesn't make sense. I, I I I on some level get it. I would I would be more interested if they, if they told me this was after the draft. If they told me this was after the draft and it was a legitimate summer league where it was like, all right, yeah, now you got these teams. They get an extra time extra time to work with their draft picks as a reward for not or not a reward, but as some sort of measure to for, because they weren't able to be in the Disney bubble. I'll be all right. I get it. Anything other than that, I, I don't understand. Now, one of those teams that would be involved in this 18 bubble potentially would be the New York Knicks. Uh, they made a surprise move last week. We didn't get discussed because we didn't have a podcast last week, but I do want to mention it quickly. Uh, they made a surprising move, adding one of the most connected men in the NBA to his front office. The team announced that William Wesley, a.k.a. Worldwide West, would be joining the team as an executive vice president and senior basketball advisor. Wesley has spent the last decade plus at CAA as a coaching consultant. He is seen as kind of like this like Carmen San Diego mystery type of figure in NBA <laughs> circles. Um, where's, where's Waldo? We, yeah, he's a where's Waldo type of guy. It's like people know who he is, but they don't know where he is or what he's doing. He really is a guy who works behind the scenes. Um, Kendall, does the hiring of Wes mean stars will soon be descending on Madison Square Garden? Um, well, it's just odd in terms of why they made this move given they said they weren't going to make this move. Initially, when we talked about it, it seemed like he was, they were gonna be, he was going to be a part of the front office. And then... All of a sudden, they said he's going to stay on the outside. He wouldn't be a part of the front office. Um, and then things changed. And look, uh, Leon Rose said that he's been friends with World Wide West for forty over 40 years, which is a long time. Um, and that he's going to play a role as, a, as an advisor in the, in the front office. Um, the guy is extremely connected. Everyone and anyone that's tied to CAA basketball the sports agency CAA is now on play uh, is now in play for the Knicks. Um, that includes honestly that includes coaches. As crazy as that sounds, but um, like someone like John Kyle Perry, you have to. You, I know we've talked at nauseum about John Kyle Perry not being involved with the Knicks, but I still have my doubts that that's not a possibility. I would still. I still think it's on the table, and that may not be even. It may not even be for this year. It could be somewhere down the line. But I, I, I the way Wes and Cal and Leon Rules are connected, I just because then you, for Cal Perry, you also think about all right now his quote unquote guys are out of the business that they've been running, and I'm not gonna insinuate that. CAA has been funneling players to Kentucky, 
<laughs> but what I will say is that like those guys have always had a great relationship. And what, you, what you're saying is them. you're not not insinuating that, <laughs> right? They've they've you know Kentucky has had a great recruiting class, and you know CAA has supported them in that in that effort on some level. Uh, and then Cal Perry has supported CAA, giving them Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns, and however way that relationship works, you can you know insinuate you can you can determine that for yourself, but. Because his guys now on the outside, things may be harder for Cal Perry, and that's not something. That's no small thing, um, or you know. And so I wouldn't be wouldn't shock me if Cal Perry now ends up a Nick at some point. Uh, it doesn't even mean head coach; it could be GM, it could be president, or whatever. But um, oh, Leon Rose is currently president. On the flip side, though, about West and in, in terms of star players again, immediate and the immediate future. Any player tied to CAA is on the table for the Knicks next next season. That includes Chris Paul. That includes Donovan Mitchell. That includes Devin Booker. That includes Carl Anthony Towns. All those guys could wind up being Knicks next season. Towns seems the least likely, given they just got D'Angelo Russell, another CAA guy. But the other three, very possible. As Carmelo Anthony as well, like go down the list. Victor Oladipo at some point. All these guys could be potential Knicks now because, um, because of the hiring of Leon Rose and, and William Wesley. Because they, all those guys that are signed to CAA almost certainly have a connection with either one of or both of Leon Rose and William Wesley. And if you want to know why people feel that way, think about if a team hired Rich Paul as their GM three years ago, two years ago. Would LeBron have gone there? Probably. So I would I would say that I would I'd say the same thing about Devin Booker and all those guys with CAA and the Knicks. Um yeah, I think that uh whew, there's a lot to lot to take in there. I think I, I do feel like the Knicks are about to be very aggressive with star hunting very soon. I know you're probably laughing at that notion. Um, and you should be because they've only been a laughing stock when it's come to this quest for stars. But you don't sign William Wesley unless you're really trying to ingratiate yourself with the circles needed to make connections with the, the top athletes in the NBA. Because at the end of the day, CAA, along with, obviously, Clutch, who recently just went on a signing spree uh, last, you know, <laughs> yeah. like they just they just signed, half, they signed half the All-Star team last week, basically. Um, those, those, are, those are the top places in terms of the, the agencies that you want to be associated with and have good relationships with. So you hired the top agent at CAA to be the president of the team. Okay. We saw that say, okay, that looks like something. But, you know, okay, we've seen other agents go from agent to GM. And in some cases, it hasn't necessarily meant that it was stars coming. But in the two biggest cases, it did. With Myers and with Palenka, it meant stars ended up getting there. Now, Yeah, stars came. <laughs> yeah, now, was it causation and correlation, whatever? I don't know, but I know what the result was. You know what I'm saying? So, but, you know, it doesn't always work that way. And we all understand that. So, okay, Leon Rose, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Wagner got the 
a bunch of stars, <laughs> DJ. Um, well, he he got us. He he got to the ground on a discount because I was he was his he was his agent, <laughs> which was great. He got Marcus Stroman, right? He did get Marcus Stroman. That is true in the trade. Yeah. Um. So I guess that's that's one star. I guess. That's star. I love but, Marcus Stroman. No. I'm not no. There's no shade to Marcus Stroman in this podcast. Shout <laughs> out to him. Um, but and we gotta talk about baseball uh, next week. So, but um, but yeah, like. But we'll talk about that. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> with with uh with with the Knicks situation, okay, put Rose aside. You see some of the other moves they're hiring. They're getting a lot more, you know, seasoned basketball guys, or even some gurus like an Alex Klein, some young, you know, you know, kind of, you know, uh, you know, guru type kids coming into the organization. You say, okay, you know, nothing that makes you look like okay, Knicks are star hunting because they look like they're building kind of a normal front office beyond Rose as the president, you know, being an agent, a super agent at that. But then you add William Wesley, who again GQ read an article about you know ten year ten years ago, being like this is the most powerful man in the NBA that you don't know who he is, and you hired that guy. Now he's not like some low lackey type of guy. You hired him to be the a vice president of the team. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 if and I'm they not saying, he, get, and I'm not I, trying to say what he's not qualified for that. I'm not trying to position. Their position in front office is like basketball operations assistant. Right. Or, exactly. You know, assistant like, oh, assistant yeah, GM. Yeah, like there's a lot of, you know, GM of the G League. Like there's a lot of, you know, G League team. Like there's a lot of th- positions that you can put a guy in and and they can still have, you know, big say in the organization, but you're not giving them some like really big title. I mean, they're not even hiding what they're trying to do with this. They, they yeah. He's the senior vice president of basketball, yeah. of basketball operations. He's a senior advisor to the president of the team. He's number two to Rose. If you look at the, or he's one, two A with him and um, Perry. Perry's a GM. He's a vice president. Usually vice president over, you know, steps above general manager for as I see it. So that tells me, okay, you're one and two guys in your organization are men with unbelievable connections. We know what's going on here. Now, will it be successful? It's tough to say. It's tough to say because it's the Knicks, man. And I hate, and you know, I'm a Knicks fan. I hate to say it like that, but it's the Knicks. So anything is possible in terms of this working out terribly. But we talked about it a little bit off air. Um, and we, and I talked about it when they signed Leon Rose. But this all always seems to happen in terms of the Knicks making some. Rash, I won't say rash move because I mean this this is a calculated move but these aggressive type of moves these bold moves seem to keep happening every time the owner finds himself in some kind of controversy and there's a part of me that does and I said it during the roasting that does it does worry me a little bit that that keeps happening it's every time Dolan's backs against the wall for something he did all on his own or something the team did all on their own he makes these rash decisions that you yeah, think would PR get stuff. good graces, get get within the good graces of the fans, get you good PR. Because as you said, the William Wesley to the Knicks talk was was very prominent early on. Yeah, uh, Woj became mentioned. Yeah, Woj was tweeting that if Rhodes is hired. It's ex- it's expected that Wesley was coming with him. Yeah, Shams was the one that broke. Oh, uh, Shams. Yeah, sorry about that. And and. 
a lot of their fans are like, oh my god, this is crazy. And then, you know, Woj, I think maybe it was Woj when they came back and said, that's probably not going to happen anymore. And the thinking is, is William Wesley, uh, is he effective behind a desk? Yeah. And that's a real, his name is Worldwide West. <laughs> so yeah. That's great. So even in his name, there's a, a great insinuation that this is the kind of guy that needs some freedom. This yeah. is the kind of guy that you kind of want as your, your the guy who's on the inside. You know, it didn't make sense to have him in your office. I don't know if it did from that standpoint. So, it, you know, Rose, there was a there was a there was a thought process that Wesley could be do way more damage out in the field than he could be with a Knicks title. So but of course, that doesn't come with any PR. Wesley, William Wesley working as an as a sleeper agent for the Knicks doesn't give Dolan any good PR. But. Dolan has the issue where he don't want to say Black Lives Matter. Now he's got to get some good PR so that they they reverse course and decide. Actually, you know what? We are going to give him a job, a very high high you know role in the organization. And I think there are benefits to both. I don't. I, I can't say one is greater than the other. I see a reason why, and I, the reason what I've seen, you know, um, you know, one thing that Larry Brown said, who Larry Brown. Who who's never said anything good about the Knicks is now all of a sudden talking very highly about the Knicks because of Rose and because of Wesley. He's saying that you know the higher Rose will make players feel more comfortable joining the organization, and I do think that's one of the benefits of having him in in house is, you know, because he works for the team in a high position, he kind of has power with how the team is being run day to day. That and, and him just being in in the in the building day to day could could change things. Now, again, there's some under the radar, under the table stuff that, you know, we would assume a guy named World Wide West would be very capable of and very proficient at that he probably won't be able to do as effectively now that he has a title of senior vice president of a team. And that's where the, you know, I'm like, okay, well, maybe it'd be best if, if he was just Leon Rhodes' really good friend for 40 years. That's always going to look out for him. Like, that's yeah. the kind of guy I would love to have out there who has this great influence on these NBA players. Um, and now you don't have that because, is it because Dolan needed a good PR? That's not a good reason to and make business so, decisions. First of all, I thought it was funny that you mentioned Larry Brown was giving the Knicks praise for his hire. When, remember who Larry Brown's good friend is, EJ? Who? John Kyle Perry. Mm, I was like, where are you going with this? Oh, that's true. You know, we know where all the bodies are buried here at New Generation Media. Larry <laughs> like yes. Brown speaking very highly of World Wide West and Leon Rose. Larry Brown also uh, coached Allen Iverson. He did. Agent. Leon, Leon Rose. Rose. Right. Fascinating stuff. <laughs> but, um,. But no, I also on the PR thing, I would also think about, um, you know, obviously you mentioned the Dolan statement, and I think the Knicks also thought it may be better, and it may be a good timing. Honestly, it may have even been a bad calculation. I don't think people cared that much, but I think they thought it'd be good PR to hire a black executive in a very high position. Yeah, and a black executive who's had a lot of power not in the nba you know like like this right. is not just this is not just you're hiring just this a black guy reverberations around just the nba it's the all the entire entertainment industry. yeah the entertainment industry this guy has a lot of power with and you're hiring him 
This is not just you just hiring just some black guy. Yeah, it's because you messed up with the Black Lives Matter protest. Like this guy friends with Jay Z, friends with ton of ton of entertainment people. He's the Carmen San Diego of the NBA, of entertainment. Yes. Period. Just entertainment. He knows everybody. Yeah. He's the only. Again, I don't even know what you would call him. Like every time I try to think of a title for him, because agent doesn't do him justice. No, yeah, he considers himself. He, he works at CAA, yeah, but he's not really an agent. Yeah, Leon Rose when they act, when he was describing his role at, at CAA, he was like, "You like, yeah, I mean Wesley, he worked for us at CAA as a consultant for the college basketball coaching division." I'm like, "What, what are you talking? About? What are you talking about, dog? A consultant for the college basketball coaching, a college basketball coaching agency division? What like college a college basketball coaching?" Agency isn't like that. That division isn't doesn't. You don't need consultant. You don't need a consultant for that. Yeah. You don't need a consultant. So I don't know what that means. It's like here, that guy I, won thirty games. You should probably sign him. Yeah, I, yeah, like, exactly. I could, I could so, be that consultant. Yeah, to be like, oh yeah, you know, I, I I can help John Calipari because I'm friends with every AAU director in the country, so I can. Hey, you see Tony can, Bennett. He's won a national championship. You might want to try to see if you can poach him. I mean, it don't, it don't take much. It don't take much of a rocket science or much connections to to make those make those determinations. It means Leon. It means Worldwide West can be friends with John Calipari on a legal basis and say, "Oh, you know, he works with my sports agency. <laughs> he works with my agent. He's not a runner." And it's, um, it's crazy. I mean, and, and this guy, this is a guy who, who's name dropped in Jay Z songs or in Drake songs by Jay Z. Which again, yeah, exactly. think about that. I, there's he's, no no, no other agent in the, in the history of sports has ever been name dropped in the rap song, probably ever. Yeah, Rich Paul. If he hasn't been yet, he's going to be soon. He will be. He'll probably be next one. But, but after that, nobody ever. And he's been name dropped again by Jay Z in a Drake song. Shout out to World yeah. Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. Like. Even that line. <laughs> I mean, this is this is a man who who it, he's like a cult figure. Like he's like don't don't underestimate Drake and Jay Z being figures at Knicks games. Drake obviously has his connections with the Raptors. Jay Z has connections with the Nets. But look, man, blood is thicker than uh, water, and. Those guys again. Who's who's Drake really close friends with? John Calipari. Yeah, but he's also friends with LeBron too. LeBron can't stand Wesley and Rose. That is true. But I, you know, you nah, know, you know Drake, Drake. Yeah, Drake's allegiances when it comes to sports and friends is all it's all over the place. As anybody who yeah. follows him knows. <laughs> so that's that yeah. is true. Um, I can see Hope making a return to to the Garden. I can see that, especially now that the you know. You know, I know Brooklyn is, is hot right now, but they kind of moved very much away from his the image. Old era. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Whatever he, he whatever he was trying to do when he was there, they're kind of something totally new now. So you got Steve Stout in the building, you got West Worldwide West in the whatever building. Whatever. Drake, yeah. got Drake. Nick's got <laughs> Steve Stout. Yo, that that is still that's still to me the quote of the year. For sports to me, <laughs> the, the Raptors got Drake, so Knicks the Knicks got, got me. 
Yo, what was Steve Stout talking about? <laughs> it was yo like in Child of Steve Stout, man. He's a, he's a legend. Anybody who knows anything about music oh, and black entertainment, absolute legend icon. Um, I'm having fun with him here, but I mean, you know, that might be the most tone deaf statement I've heard in sports in a long time. Like. I don't know. I don't even know where to begin with that. Like, it's still crazy to me. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know what to say. I'm speechless. It's rare I'm speechless on this show, but it's just like, yo, you're, yes, you're a legend, you're an icon, but like, Drake is an international superstar. Yeah. <laughs> that everybody knows. He, he's most, one of the most recognizable people in the world. Yeah. Like, your, your whole, your whole thing is being behind the scenes. Right. <laughs> like you're like like yeah like you're like what makes you great is you making people like Drake from behind the scenes. So the notion that he thinks that like he, like somehow from an image standpoint he equals Drake. And and once I kind I can kind of see where he's coming from cuz it's like he's probably thinking like well I can I can put the people in place that like can can like you know be like Drake for the Knicks, but it's just like, like again, it just like the lack of awareness about like what Drake and his connection with the Raptors means to the city and to the country and to the United States. I meant country, I meant Canada, but then also to the United States and into the world, and how that does not equate to <laughs> Steve Stott working for the Knicks. Anyway, that's that's still one of the funniest things I've heard all year. Um, yeah, man, I don't know, I don't know. I, I think look, I, I, the stars are coming. I'll say it on the show. I'm not afraid. Maybe people think I'm jinxing or being crazy. I'm not. Now I'm not holding my breath. I'm not right. holding my breath. I'm I'm way beyond that. I'm not holding my breath. Um, I'm not gonna say that. What I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say that. What the star they get or the people they get, it won't be stupid moves. It still could be stupid moves, but big names are coming to New York. These kind of yeah. moves only happen because of that, and. You don't hire what William Wesley ain't ain't hanging around to you know see you know Obi Toppin develop. You know, <laughs> sorry, I, I love Obi Toppin. As anybody who's listened to this podcast or watched our YouTube channel knows, but he's not here to see you know Danny Avdia you know take that next step. You know, William Wesley will be a, with the New York Knicks organization for probably seven months, and he will be gone sooner than guys is back. Them guy, and he's gonna go back to making the money, making the bread. Behind the scenes that he's been making, so th- this next roster is about to look very different in a year. Yeah, I don't know. It could lose Lamelo Ball. Honestly, I'm not gonna go as far as say Lamelo Ball is the only rookie I can see the Knicks ending up with because that's a, that's a probably over an overstatement. But he does seem like the most likely. And what like a guy that because Knicks would keep talking about that star power. He's the, he's the only guy in this draft class that brings that star power. Um, everyone else, I could easily be seeing shipped for a legitimate NBA star. Yeah, me too. I see them all being traded for a star. But so do I. But yeah. I can see them also saying we're going to keep him. Yeah, but, well, he's a CAA guy, so. Yeah, or he was until he moved to Rock Nation. Oh, that's right. He is Rock Nation now. You're Very right about bizarre that. move. I don't know how that played out. Oh, yeah, out, they but. get him out of here. There's no way they're keeping him. Right, so I don't know what the deal is with that. I don't know if it's a falling out with the balls or in Leon Rose and CAA or if it was 
uh, cordial if it was because Leon Rose was leaving. They said we're going to go in a different direction. I don't know. My understanding but, is all three brothers are with Rock Nation, which maybe that was a package deal thing. Yeah, maybe it was a package deal. I thought they were with CA, or maybe Leangelo wasn't. I, I don't know. It yeah, was, CA might have been like, we have no interest in Jello. And they were like, all right, we got to find someone who does. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Found somebody that was going to take him. But my, like, my, what's, my what, how much? I'm like, I'm like, no, nah, I'm gonna keep that joke to me. I'm not gonna be mean to Jello. Shout out to Jello. <laughs> my 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 guess is that uh, the Knicks end up with Devin Booker, which it, it, it's not. Look, man, Stephen A. Smith is already talking randomly about why Devin Booker would be great in Mad Square Garden for no reason, <laughs> no yeah. rumors. Uh, no, they they just did a random segment on first take about. Who's who's some players you'd like to see on other teams? Which is just a random. I, look, I get it's COVID nineteen, and you're trying to fill a two hour show, so I'm giving them that rope. But still, that's a weird segment. And this is shit Stephen A. to be like, I don't know. I think it'd be nice to see Devin Booker in New York. I just think it'd be nice. No explanation of how you get there. No, no, no discussion that Devin Booker's under a long term contract. Just eh, it'd be nice. And, and we Steve know Steve, another guy, right? Very close with Wes and, and Leon Rose. Exactly. Even. We know the connection Stephen A. Smith has. We know when he says some of these things, he it's it's like a code. Like he's talking through the television so from when, so from certain happens, parties. So when it happens, he can say, "I was the first one that mentioned Devin Booker to the Knicks." Exactly. It's a it's a good that's take. the thing. It's like why would he even blow his source? So he could say. He doesn't want to blow his source and go say the Knicks really want Devin Booker. Devin Booker will likely be a Nick from what I'm hearing. Because he's done that before, and sometimes he's wrong. But And a lot of times, I think he knows now, when he says something even even remotely like a report, it gets blown up into Stephen A. Smith reporting this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he, I think he learned his lesson from the 95% chance Kyrie and Durant going to the Knicks. But... Um, but I think he also knows. I if I'm the first one saying Booker to the Knicks, that's a great look. Yeah, and look. And, and and I think that he and, and you know again he's being careful with it because the Knicks want to be careful with it. But they all they're just dropping the tea leaves. This is the beginning, and I I, I can't say I'm even hopeful for it because I once you talk about we're not signing guys now I can't be excited because I don't know what I'm giving up. Now you could argue everything on the team is trash, so it doesn't matter. It matters I'm giving up four first-round picks. Like, there's certain things that matter when it comes to making a trade for a star. So, yeah. I can't say, am I getting excited? I don't know what I'm trading. So, but do I think it's likely that the Knicks are going to go big game hunting very soon? I, it seems inevitable. I don't know how anybody who sees these moves sees otherwise. I think there's, there's, there's being pessimistic because it's the Knicks, and that's 100% fair. And then there's just... Assessing the situation. And this is just what it is. Now, will it be successful? I can't guarantee that. Will it be smart? I can't guarantee that. In fact, it's probably likely that it won't be because it's, because it's the Knicks. But is it going to happen? I think there's a greater chance now. There, Let me say it this way. They're way better positioned now in the front office to make something like that happen than they have ever been. So if they can't do it now. They're never going to be able to do it. One hundred percent. Until Dolan sells the team, right? Of course. But yeah. But the last thing I will say is one thing Leon Rose said I thought was interesting during the, the, his interview that he did was when he mentioned this could be me over 
you know, reaching in terms of trying to pick up cues on what a guy's going to do. But when he mentioned his message to Nick to Nick fans that they're going to be aggressive in trying to get great players, and he said we're going to be aggressive in the draft, we're going to be address- aggressive in trades, and we're going to be aggressive in free agency. I thought it was odd that he said trades before free agency, personally. Because mm-hmm. most people wouldn't jump to the fact that we're going to make trades. Yeah, a president never wants to talk about trading players on his roster. Like, right. openly. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> free agency is a very non-political yeah, thing. Yeah, because it's like, oh, this doesn't affect anybody really on the yeah, team. Yeah, it's the natural order of basketball. Right, we, exactly. We sign players, we try to get better. Trades means we're shaking up the roster. Right. Could be major, could be minor, but if that's your message, is we're going to be aggressive in trades means we're going to be, we are going to shake up the roster. Also, when you say aggressive in drafting, the only thing, the only way to be aggressive in drafting is when you're trading. That's the other way, yeah. Because, like, there's nothing, like, there's no, no such thing as an aggressive pick. Like, you just pick the guy you pick. The only time you say, wow, this team got aggressive is when they trade, you know, three picks to move up 10 slots or when they trade their top five pick for some star like wow man that was aggressive move so you say we're going to be aggressive in the draft that only means trades that's the only thing that can mean yeah so again the nick rosters you have to look very different will it be this next season i don't i don't know i'm not gonna say no i don't i don't know will it be by next season by next offseason yes And, and and there will be at least one star on the team. I don't know what that means in terms of whether they'll be a good team, whether they'll be competitive, whether, yeah, not, that, whether that they would have screwed their entire future. All that stuff is still possible. But is there about to be a a, a, a box office star? Yeah. And I didn't even, we didn't even mention real quickly, like you got Stephen, Stephen Bonnie, he keeps putting this stuff out about Trey Young randomly. Just like, hey, yeah. Trey Young would be good as a Nick. I'm like, where is this coming from? The Trey Young stuff, I. I I don't know. I don't think there's any path to getting Trey Young, personally. But these um, kind of signs tell me that people are getting their word out. Stephen A. randomly talking, up, randomly talking about Booker to the Knicks. Bonnie randomly talking about Trey Young. Again, these are random. These guys are signed long term. The team that they're on has no reason to get rid of them. And all of a sudden, oh, you know, this guy would be interesting as a Knicks. It's like, why would you write that? Why would you say that? Because they're hearing something. I'm not going to say that it's likely that I'm not going to say that that means, oh, they're going to be a Nick. I'm, I'm saying that Look, there's I now interest in people being like, oh, I'll get out of here to go play for New York with those guys and what they're, what they're trying to build. I, I'm willing to, I, I'll give you the slack and say I'm willing to accept anything as plausible after Paul George told his story about wanting to get out of Indiana because they, the Pacers said they couldn't afford to bring in the best power forward in the league at the time. And it turns out he was talking about Anthony Davis. I, everyone assumed he's talking about Blake Griffin. He's talking about Kevin Love, Lamar Aldridge, because those were the guys on the table at the time who were still, you know, all-star power forward. Maybe not the consensus best in the league, but were still clearly all-stars. And the guy at the time was obviously Anthony Davis, but it didn't seem plausible that at that point he would have asked for a trade. They had just gotten DeMarcus Cousins. He was signed long-term. How was Anthony Davis possibly going to get to Indiana? And why would he want to go to Indiana over plenty of the other options that were out there? But 
turns out, according to reports, Anthony Davis was the player that Paul George, that told Paul George, I want to go to Indiana. Let's make it happen. Paul George said we can make it happen. So if that's the case, it's not out of the question that Carl Anthony Towns could tell Devin Booker, I'm going to do the same thing to DeAndre Russell and Anthony Davis are going to do to Boogie and say, <laughs> I want to Minnesota. It's the exact same situation. And not only that, but Trey Young, you know? So the Knicks learned the hard way that, man, if somebody really wants gone, be gone to be gone and to get to the place they want to get to, they can find a way. Because I think for the Porzingis situation was a painful learning uh, lesson for Knicks fans because you looked at the circumstance and you were just like, he can't. He got no power. How is he going to get to wherever he wants to go? And you kind of realize once you kind of you go with the scorched earth path, and then you have a franchise again that I, I always say scared to negotiate, scared to fight in the public. Um, but still, nonetheless, went with the, the scorched earth path. Things move a lot quicker than you think. And again, when I'm seeing some of the stuff you're seeing, and then even I mean, even Josh Jackson's ridiculous comments today on social media amongst this stuff where he was trying to explain why he wasn't the reason why the sons were the reason why he it was a bust. It wasn't anything he did. Um, but in one of those posts, he was like, do you think that Devin Booker is going to waste all these years with your team? He's like, you guys are going to be crazy if you think that's going to happen. Wow. He said that in one of the posts. And obviously he, he, has, he hasn't been on the team in a year, but I guarantee he you he knows he's cool with Book, or at least he, he knows how what Book's thinking. Yeah, he, either he's cool with Book or he's cool with guys that are cool. No Book. Right. And and I don't even got to know that. I can hear Booker saying, I ain't missing the playoffs again. And I'm looking at his roster and I'm being like, how are you going to get that? How's that going to happen? <laughs> Remember that? I forgot about that. Yeah. How How is that going to happen? How are you not going to make the playoffs again with this roster? Explain that to me. So. When we did our video. Yeah. And we said, who's going to be the next guy traded? I said Booker, right? Uh, I believe so. And you said Towns? Yeah. Hmm. Who was the next guy? We were both wrong, right? Wasn't there somebody traded during the trade deadline? Was was there anybody traded? Has it, it, the D'Angelo Russell? I guess Russell, I mean, would, Russell would count, I guess, right? Uh, Russell, I mean, that was, that was kind of small potatoes. Okay. I mean, in I theory, mean, he Russell, like, Russell and Westbrook. I mean, Russell was and Booker had the same amount of All Star appearances. Now, yeah. Booker is way better than him. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, they're both. Yeah, they're both reserves. Yeah, both, <laughs> both, in, both injury replacement reserves. Yeah, exactly. So that just needs to be put out there. Needs to be put on the record. I don't know, man. I'm not going to say that good days are happening for the Knicks, but will the Knicks roster be different? Will there be a big name player on there? Yes. Soon, I don't know how how soon. I couldn't tell you, but it's gonna happen because these moves don't don't happen unless you're trying to make something quick happen, and, and that's that scares me as a Knicks fan because to me, quick sometimes means risky. Sometimes that means you're not doing your due diligence. Sometimes that means cutting corners. I don't think that all of what I'm saying with I, the fact that I am very confident that something drastic is about to happen is good because I got to see what the what the circumstances are of that event happening. So, um, last story today, man. Let's talk quickly some football. So, um, man, this kind of came out of nowhere as well. In a move that seemed to be just 
I don't say completely random because it had been rumored for a while, but it was just dead. There's no no word on what was going to happen with Cam Newton. Patriots signed the former NFL MVP on Sunday to a one-year deal for the league minimum. The former number one pick who was sidelined 14 games with a foot injury last season will make $550,000 in guaranteed money. His base salary will only be a million dollars, basically. He can earn an additional six by meeting certain incentives. Newton wrote on Instagram today, and what I thought was, uh, I read this, I read, well, first of all, I, let me be clear, I could not read his Instagram post. I had to go on ESPN.com. A lot of people don't quote. like those posts, and he's been defiant and saying, I will continue to write like this. Oh, he should. I think that's part of his brand now. Like, he should keep doing it. I'm just saying, I, I can't read it. So, so, so I went right to, once I was trying to read and I heard he tweeted something, I went to it and I was like, I'm not, I'm not time for this. And I went right to the ESPN article. The ESPN article then told me part of his quote was, it's quote, not about the money. It's about the respect, which when I read that quote and then tried to, uh, uh, then cross reference it with the, the, the rest of the Instagram posts, I read it like, uh, in Heath Ledger's voice from the joke, from the dark Knight uh, when he was like, you know, it's not about the money. It's about sending a message. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what Cam Newton's saying here. I don't know how anybody else didn't read that like that. When I read this quote, it's not about the money. It's about respect. Anyway, <laughs> um, the fact that a man with Newton's resume was signed to such a cheap deal is still a sore spot for some people. Richard Sherman tweeted that it was, quote, disgusting that a, quote, transcendent player like Newton was signed to that deal while, quote, less talented QBs are making $15 million annually. Kendall, what did you make of the Newton deal, and what kind of impact does he have for the Patriots, you believe, whenever he steps on the field? Yeah, I mean, look, in terms of the contract, I, I'm look, two, 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 two parties agreed on a deal. Um, they thought of they thought the situation was worked out for both parties. I'm not going to say it, it, it's, it's grotesque that he had to sign for that. Lot. He signed. You know, if it was grotesque, he wouldn't have signed the deal. I think... You know, you could look at it and say if it's a one year deal, so if things go great, he will get his money. Not only is it incentive laden, but it's it is also a one year deal. If he is great, the Patriots go to the conference championship game, he's an MVP candidate, he will they will probably pay him on the back end. If not the Patriots, someone else someone else will pay him on the back end. So, um in that regard, look, I think it's a prove it deal. We see those in the NBA all the time guys to take less for one year because they feel like this is a situation where they can thrive and then well, he cousins has been doing it for like three years yeah now. Well, cousins, i think we just have to understand that you know he ain't proven nothing my guy but um you know tyree kevin's another guy being a big prove deal <laughs> a big prove deal guy but um but no i know i think cam newton is at a position where look i've seen people make the case um, and first of all, shout out to Mina Kimes, who was the first one to really say that this was going to happen. You yeah. know, I, I part of me think she knew something was going to happen the way she would, consistently badgered the can do into New England thing. It maybe it just made sense. Maybe it, it is something it, that it makes like, sense to be fair. Yeah, It's like one plus yeah. one equals two. the team that needs a quarterback and the best, obviously best, most accomplished free agent quarterback still in the market needs a team. It made sense. But, um, I still I I was convinced that the Patriots were tanking this season, and I told now, you I, I told you I was never convinced of that. Yeah, yeah, you've been big on that. I just I, I I get it. If 
if Belichick and Kraft really want to win, I don't think it's a smart play personally. I think you lose. I mean, you lose games this year. You get Lawrence. You get Fields. You don't even have to have the number one pick in the draft. But nowadays, you need a top five pick, or at least a top ten pick, to get a franchise quarterback in the draft. You don't need to, obviously, Lamar Jackson or whatever. But guys that are projected to be franchise quarterbacks, you're probably going to need to get that guy in the top ten. So, um, it would behoove you to tank. And and next year's draft, which I think will be not great on quarterback depth at the in terms of the draft, but it will be great at the top with two, I think, elite guys at the quarterback position who I can't say would have gone number one because I love Joe Burrow, but would have gone two, two and three in the draft, arguably. Maybe Chase Young's the only guy that you could that would in this draft that would have gone ahead of those guys in, in Lawrence and Field. Um, I would have gone in that direction and said I'm going to just lose games. But if their their line of thinking is we're trying you're going to try and win, then Cam Newton is obviously I think a very good option. Obviously, you know the health concern is is there in terms of can he stay healthy? But honestly. Well, before I get to what else I was going to get to, I just say that I think he's he's a better option um, than Jared than Jared Stidham. Uh, yes, you're going to have to kind of craft your offense around him, but in today's NFL, is is there anything wrong with that? We've seen teams take the plunge in saying we're going to, you know, transform our offense around a more dynamic quarterback than rather than play the same old stale brand of football that we've played for the last ten years. Baltimore, um, you know, we saw it obviously a long time ago with San Francisco, but um, we've seen those teams thrive because of that. And uh, it seems like the Patriots may be willing to do the same thing if Cam Newton is healthy. And I think, you know, the case has been made that Cam might actually be the best quarterback in the AFC in the AFC East. And I would make that case. You know, I know Josh Allen's led his team to the playoffs last year. I would not make that case, but continue. I know Sam Darnold is a very talented quarterback um, with a lot of physical traits. And, you know, while sometimes can have some, sometimes can be a head case in terms of, you know, on the field, you know, in decision making, things of that nature. But um, for the most part, it has a high talent level, uh, but hasn't won anything. And then, and obviously, Miami, you're talking about, you know, Tua. And Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I I think you can make the case if Cam's healthy, he's the best quarterback in the AFC East. And I mean, I think New England, great defense, great coaching staff. I still worry about the weapons, but that's the problem. That's, that's the problem. But Cam Newton has never been a player that's needed or even had elite weapons. The best player that ever played with Christian McCaffrey, who's great, but he only got him in the last couple of years when he's been injured. But during his prime, he hasn't had really any superstars on the offensive side of the ball, unless I'm missing somebody. And that's he's been a guy that's had to. He's been almost like the LeBron of football, where he doesn't need any real piece. He can carry a team on his on his shoulders, and that's that. This New England team needs that more than anything. So, I think it's a great fit. But I will just say that look, in a year where health is going to be very interesting to manage. For NFL teams, um, you're going to need multiple quarterbacks. Uh, honestly, Cam is this is the year where yeah, take a risk on Cam because look, anybody if if a guy tests positive for COVID during the season, 
if theoretically they try to start the season on time in some bubble format or some, you know, kind of major league baseball, they just play, but guys have to test and things of that nature week to week, then what's going to happen if your quarterback gets, you know, has to quarantine? You know, now if that's an area, you need your backup. So New England, like, it, it, Cam may not even be the starter, but you may want him on your roster or vice versa. You, you know, Jared Stidham, just because he's a backup doesn't mean he's going to be invaluable. So I, I think uh, I think this makes sense on a lot of levels. Yeah, I mean, one, I, I don't – what I will say is I don't agree with that he'd be the best quarterback in the AFC East. I I do think that that's Sam Darnold. I am a Jeff fan, so it's a Jeff fan. Turn the green mic up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, it is what it is. I, I, I think best quarterback I, in the if, NFC, if you're telling me, yeah. based on what I saw from Cam, in the two games he played in the preseason and in the preseason last year and the year before, I'm taking Sam Darnold tomorrow in that matchup. That's how I'm. That's how I feel. Um, because I don't know, but that's not knowing Cam's health. Not just not knowing a lot. I could tell you totally wrong. And if he's healthy and eighty uh, percent of what he was as an MVP, then I would take Cam. But I, I haven't seen him at that level in a while now. So that's how I feel about it personally. But when talk when you're talking about this situation, I think you, you raised. Uh, an important point, which was who is he throwing to? And that's why I think I, I, I have trouble feeling as a Jeff fan, like, you know, how worried am I? I can't say I'm that worried because one of the biggest issues with Cam's time in Carolina wasn't his talent. It was uh, his lack of weapons. And I see Julian Elman, the kind of player that I've never really seen Cam work with not to say that he he can't but the slot receiver type of guy i know he kind of i know he had mccaffrey in the back of it but he's not really he's not edelman i've never seen him kind of work that kind of intermediate route type of guy um and then i see a bunch of guys who are either unproven or coming off subpar years whether it be muhammad sanu who he was working out with a couple days ago whether it be nikhil harry who just did not have a good rookie year um now, that being said, I do also laugh at the people that think that somehow Bill Belichick can't adjust to having a player like Cam Newton for a couple of reasons. The number one reason being, you think that a coach who put Troy Brown at slot corner can't can't adjust his team to work for Cam Newton? Yeah. Like, come on now. Like, some of this stuff is just, like, ridiculous. Like he had Troy Brown playing nickel, <laughs> yeah, and and they we're worried if he can't adjust his team to play for a former MVP quarterback. Like that's 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 nuts to me. I'm like, man, I'm not. Again, I'm a Jets fan. I don't have love for Bill Belichick in that regard. But it's like, really, y'all think that little of him? He had he had Troy Brown playing nickel corner, and you don't think he can adjust for Cam Newton? Okay, that's absurd. Uh, number two, why do we think that the offense needs that much adjusting? Have y'all seen Cam recently? I don't want him running 15 options, you know, read options a game. But is that the only way he's effective? I would argue it is. 
which maybe that then that becomes the question of I don't I think I think that's uh, then now I think that that's kind of a disrespect to Cam because I'm like you don't think that he realizes where he's at in his career. In and fact, he's been trying to he's been trying to tell us that for years that he should be throwing the ball more. Yes, I've been saying it was ridiculous because now in hindsight. In hindsight, he was right. I remember uh, we. I think we talked about that on the show. I remember saying this is ridiculous. The Panthers are dominant as a running football team. That includes him. And yeah. I said it's ridiculous to be like we're going to just throw the ball now. But I think he knew what we're now seeing is his body couldn't take that kind of punishment anymore. So in the long run, he was right when he said that it was going to hurt the team and wins, but for his well being and his development, it would have helped him. But he's got. He, had, he was injured most of the year, but he's rehabbed that injury, and now he's worked all offseason. I, I think that the idea that he's he's not going to be better better suited to run a more traditional offense, I don't buy that. Like, I think that he's, he, he like, yes, you're going to adjust your offense, offense a little bit, but you're not adjusting your offense to run what the Ravens are running with Lamar Jackson. No, like, that's no. That's not what you're doing. Or, and, or even what, like, Buffalo does with Josh Allen. Like, he's a different player now. I think... I think there will be some Pittsburgh with Roethlisberger, like maybe not Roethlisberger now. Roethlisberger now is kind of a statue, but Roethlisberger like five years ago, where you still take hits. You know, he's a big guy, and you get hurt a lot. But, um, but it was still kind of a power kind of offense. Um, it didn't really. Run, Cam will probably run more because he's gonna because he he runs more anyway. But it's more of a. Still, I, you can't. You can't not gonna be. There aren't. There aren't a whole lot of designed quarterback runs, but still a power running scheme that relies on having a quarterback with some level of mobility, um, and also a quarterback that uh, is bigger. I, I think Cam. I think Cam in a pro style offense, pro style, you know, traditional offense is still. Probably a better option than Jarrett Stidham, and that's that's hard to say because we we don't know what Jarrett Stidham is. Jarrett Stidham at Auburn was good, good, a good player. Um, yeah, but he's a fourth round pick for a reason. But, right, he's a fourth round pick, so he's not somebody you step, expect to come in in his first year as a starter, lead a team to the playoffs, or you know, quarterback a playoff team that isn't stacked, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, so because of that, Cam Newton has while. You could argue Jarrett Stidham may have more, uh, may may be a more talented thrower of the football. Um, that isn't, that's not consistent with Cam Newton. Cam Newton's going to have a higher football IQ given the experience that he has. And given he's been through the wars and he's been, you know, I would say inches away from a Super Bowl, but he's been to a Super Bowl, and he's, and he, you know, he could have won a Super Bowl. And these conversations are not something obviously that Jared Stidham with is is is, go, is, or is familiar with, and that's something that you can't really replicate. And Tom Brady, there's there's only about five or six quarterbacks in the league with more experience than Cam Newton. You know, you're talking about Brady, Breeze, Rogers, Rivers, Ben. That's probably the list. Mm. After that, Cam Newton, you know, I mean, like Matt Stafford's been in the league longer, but he hasn't done as much. You know, we talk about a guy's won MVP, been to a Super Bowl, 
Cam Newton is as accomplished as m- m- almost any quarterback in the league right now, outside of the guy they mentioned. And, of course, you talk about someone like Rivers hasn't done what Cam Newton's done. Yeah. Hasn't been to a Super Bowl. He's, he's, he's accumulated the game. Never, never won an MVP. <laughs> but never won an MVP. You know, so we're talking about Cam Newton, one of the five most accomplished quarterbacks in the league. If you're in New England, that was going to be always going to be your biggest drawback was you lose Brady, you're losing more than just a starting quarterback. You're losing, you know, an icon at the position. And, like, credibil- and credibility at the position. Yeah, your credibility is a position. You're going from Brady to even if we were talking about, oh, Marcus Mariota would be a good option. Yeah, I mean, no. wow. Well, That's like, wow. I told, I told you that would be a disaster. Yeah, it could be a potential disaster. And I get Cam Newton's injury problems and things of that nature. But if you're talking about, I agree, I agree with the word credibility. From a credibility standpoint, you go from Brady to Cam Newton. It's not bad. It's not bad. You, you do still a, feel you like do a lot, lot worse. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a guy that. Again, the, a position where it's kind of ageless, as we've seen with Brady and some of these other guys that, that we've mentioned. You know, sometimes, obviously, you don't want your, guy, your quarterback to be 50. But sometimes it's good to have a veteran, older quarterback that's been through the ringer. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this goes like Favre in Minnesota, for example. You know, wow. where he has kind of a renaissance. He's not that old, but he's taking the hits to the point where he kind of is. But he has a bit of a renaissance playing in a new system, playing with a new in a new franchise, a quarterback, uh, coach, and offensive coordinator, and uh, head coach that get the best out of their pieces. I think, at least at the quarterback position, uh, I think this would be a good. I think this is going to be a good fit. I just, again, I, I I think it is going to be an interesting variable how teams are going to navigate the whole quarterback position in general this season if they don't push things back because any team honestly, can get plucked by a quarterback testing positive. The same problem the NBA is having that we talked about, the NFL is going to deal with as well. Well, if there's any team that would should be uh, ready for that scenario, it would be the Jets, who would happen with Darnold this year. That was yeah. just close to yeah. COVID. Like, it's, that, that was, like, what may happen this year. Like, that was, like, our yeah. preview of what NFL life <laughs> may be like. Hey, a quarterback may be gone for five weeks. Random I, I got no what 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 week was that? I got how, you know when did COVID reach the reach the country? <laughs> um, <laughs> was, was a couple months, months early, yeah, a couple months early on that. I don't think I, think, I don't <laughs> think Darnold has. I don't think he has the antibodies. I think I, I think that that was something different. Uh, yeah, man. I, look, I, in terms of the football season, it, it, I don't know. I it's, it, everything. I know they cut the preseason games now. The you know week one and four are gone. Which means the Snoopy Bowl. Which you know, players even giving that back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that they, they, they got that a year early. Cause remember, they, they're going to two next year, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, they got that early. So you know, I know they they like that, but yeah, it's um, it's it's un, it's un, it's unfortunate that that obviously we're in a situation where we had to lose preseason games because of that. But I, I think I don't know, man. I think we're in a situation where. It's, it, I can't say for sure, again, the season is going to start on time with how these uh, situations are being played out. Again, there doesn't seem to be any movement by the league to create any kind of bubble situation. Like, there's, they just, they ain't doing nothing. I mean, it don't look it's like almost, that. I'm not saying that they aren't. It looks like they're not. It's almost possible to do that with how many NFL personnel, people, 
personnel people there are through the roster right. and yeah, you, coaching you know staff. That. Yeah. And having to do that over, it wouldn't be over like two weeks. That'd be over four months. I mean, they're doing it for three months in the NBA and, you know, months in the NHL. I guess. I mean, you Which, do by the way, you team, mentioned how a team should lead the country. That's what the NHL is doing. They're doing it all if in you Canada. Cut the, if you cut the games down to 12, you say, all right, we'll do three three months of the regular season. That's still a long time, man. But I guess that is, that is what the NBA is doing. But then that would even still, that's not even factoring like a preseason or anything. I mean, do you do an eight-game season? You say we're only doing two months of regular season games? I mean, now it's like, now you're going to talk about, all right, what, is this even a season? I mean, I just don't. I just don't understand the notion that you think you're gonna be able to travel people from place to place, and that I, I, I that just seems so. I mean, again, this is we're in July. I don't know what September looks like, but again, we're getting close to these points. I think, and it's like, I just think the idea that you're, you're gonna be flying people across the country to play sporting events when certain states, certain cities are dealing with unbelievable amount of cases. That I seems, think they have to, seems like a terrible idea. I can't I think, see anybody allowing that. I think they'd have to take a cue from the English Premier League, which is their whole thing right now is they teams are going to be operating out of their own cities, but if there's a flare-up, like I believe in Leicester, for Leicester City, I guess that's Leicester, England. I, that may, not, may or may not be a city. They may be in London. I, I don't remember. But wherever they are, uh, Leicester City... Uh, they may have to quarantine, or not quarantine, but they may have to like relocate to a different city in London or in England to because their city, their local area, is having a flare. So if in the in, in the NFL, like the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tampa Bay Bucks may have to they may have to get out of Florida for the first. Right, how many places have NFL That's stadiums? Much- you know how how many people how many teams are going to do that with what where are the facilities yeah, where are they going to get yeah are they going to practice fields like I mean high school fields to practice like what, what like it's it's too flimsy you know right now and I don't think the NFL season is going to start on time and my if guess if there was ever a team a place where teams should take advantage of Hawaii and knows the infrastructure is the NFL. The NFL would be great for Hawaii. NFL, man, you got all those practice fields that y'all do the Pro Bowl for and all those events for. Just Those are the NFL stadiums this year. Just play all yeah. your games there. Yeah. You got Aloha Stadium. You could play games throughout you the play, week. Yeah, play your national TV games at the Aloha Stadium. Like, you know, like the, you know, Monday Night Football every year, every night, is every week is on at Aloha Stadium. Yeah. But there's, play, there's football stadiums all across Hawaii. They're not obviously NFL stadiums, but if nobody's showing up, nobody doesn't matter. Yeah, honestly, you know, cases there are cases there are very low. That's what that's what some. It's crazy that nobody's gone to Hawaii yet. Like that, that's the theme of this show. And and that's that's way more. Honestly, that sounds better even to me than the bubble. It's still technically a bubble. It is a bubble still, but it's like (laughs) the super confined area in Orlando. Right here is like yo, you can do whatever you want, but this is where you live for the next three months. Right, and the the cases are going to be way down. Right, the 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 risk of transmission is way lower. I would assume. I see the percentages, but I assume it'd be way lower than. I just imagine in Florida, like the NBA bubble, you literally can't 
like you can't you you can't leave the bubble. Like you can't leave Disney. Like you can't even go to you can't go to Disney World. You can't actually go where the where the, where the actual customers are. The actual which I, I imagine Disney World's gonna close at some. Point. That's what I keep trying to say. Is like yeah, like you'd have to because like people are going to Disney World. That's why this yeah. whole thing is ridiculous to me. Like I, that part of it, I still don't get. I don't know how Disney World is open. They claim look. They claim they're so far. Like Disney's such a big campus that they would never they would never interact. No, I think Disney World's gonna close because Florida is a mess if Florida. it hasn't already. Yeah, exactly. It'll close in the near future because, like, why would you leave that open? But, um, but like in in Hawaii, of course, like yes, there are other people that live in Hawaii. You wouldn't own the island, but it would be much easier to to navigate that. It would be. I just and like you mentioned, the prior relationship to the to the right the NFL, like one the of the where one of the uh, advantages is that they they know the state, they know the area well. It's the same thing the NBA talks about with Las Vegas. Exactly. So there's some infrastructure in place already. And, and you want to stay in America? It's an American state. Yes, and you're staying in America, so you don't have to leave the country still. I don't know. That seems that that to me would appear to be the wave, but I don't nobody seems to be interested. I don't understand. Right I mean, now it's like they still want they still want fans in the state. That's why this. That's what I'm saying. They're living in a fantasy world. Like I don't know what the NFL is doing. That's why I, when I say like it doesn't look like they're doing anything. That's what it looks like. Because when every headline I see, it's like, so we're gonna have fans in the stadiums this year. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like it, it's it's like it's like asinine to me. And did you see? <laughs> so the college football season right now, it seems like the momentum is with them pushing it back. Um. And college basketball, but college football seems like they're going to push it back. The Penn State athletic director was talking about that. That's an option. Uh, they, the Pac-12 was talking about some teams may play and some teams may not. <laughs> how are you going to do that? This is it's this a mess. Is I don't know how college, college football shouldn't happen. As a fan of it, I hope it does from right. a you know selfish standpoint. But you know, you know, from a humane standpoint, it doesn't make any sense <laughs> to, to play these kids. We even put them in a bubble when you're not, you're not paying them. <laughs> I don't know how that works. But regardless, um, they they talk right now that they're going to push the season back, and so apparently the NCAA and all these college football power brokers have been kind of putting out feelers to the NFL, like, "Yo, if we have a season in the spring." Can you guys push back the draft? And the NFL was like, nah, we're good. So the NFL, first of all, is giving a the NFL is about to, The NFL is about to blow up the college football season, what you're telling me. Yeah. The NFL is a middle finger to college football. Because like, as soon as that, yeah, because as soon as they say, nah, you know. Guys are pulling out. Yeah, yeah. Trevor Lawrence is not playing a game. It's his career. Yeah, college, Josh, Josh, Justin Fields, his college career is over. Yeah. So Jamar Chase, you like him at LSU? Gone. Yep, yep. His his career is over. And to me, at that point, it's war. If it's college football, but there's nothing you can do. College football has never been an ally. Yeah, they have. Yeah, it's, it's not the same relationship that it is with the NBA and NCAA. <laughs> right. And that and that already blew up. So yeah, exactly. So you think that that's not on good ground? Right. College football has just been. They've been keeping. Stars from the NFL. Yeah, you think that's not a good ground? It's going to be every man for himself when between the NFL and NCAA. The NFL is not going to care one bit. 
they're going to protect the shield at all costs, as we've learned a long, for a long time here. Um, man, this was a good show. I really enjoyed this one. Hope you guys enjoyed it. You can catch all of our podcasts on New Generation Podcast Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast, and, uh, and uh, Facebook, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. Uh, excuse me, follow me on social media. You can find me on uh, Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys again for listening in. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.